deep in London's beating heart lies a wall. A lock don't be if you know the call. For if the wall steps aside, be not afraid of what you see. Cause the wizard world has opened up as has the Griffin. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Shrieking Shack. This is a Harry Potter reread podcast for lapsed fans. I am your host, ZC. And I'm Liz. And Liz, we have some lovely touching news about a favorite character of ours i would suppose um mm-hmm. i mean draco malfoy is not our our, our favorite character but he's I think, barely a character at all but 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 over the course of our podcast uh we have sort of been keeping an eye on one mr tom felton who played draco malfoy <laughs> and his uh i i, I guess uh, w- his weird forest online... home <laughs> his forest home yes his his strange online persona his his scary cameo videos where he looks like he's recording a, a, a an audio log um but things might be turning around for mr felton um he posted this week a video or i guess i i guess there are multiple things a video of him skateboarding with emma watson <laughs> hasn't Uh, he he skateboarded with emma watson before i think this has happened multiple times yeah yeah they they have skateboarded together for sure before um and also a photo of her and him uh playing guitar together (laughs) just some intimate acoustic (laughs) guitar guy stuff and of course everyone's freaking freaking out uh and and uh pointing out that like you know hey they're wearing pajamas in that guitar photo and stuff so so things might be looking up for old for old tom here but i have another theory and i Mm. think it's a theory you might share sure for one thing the pajamas don't mean anything i don't think tom felton owns clothes that aren't pajamas i think i'm gonna take it one step further and say that i think celebrities are in pajamas all the time (laughs) that's like what they do unless they have to like go out and be in a movie like they can do that. They can just be in pajamas all day. I, I think celebs they're either they're either at a premiere wearing a tux or mm-hmm. like fancy dress mm-hmm. or they're at home wearing lounge pants. I just think that's true. I yeah. feel it deep down. Yeah, I they have no reason to wear normal pants most of the time, right? So that that doesn't mean anything to me, I don't think. Um, mm-hmm. but I, but I think both of us are in agreement. We, you know, we, we passed this news uh, to each other a few days ago when it broke. And I think that this is more of like a Harry and the Henderson situation where Emma Watson in her, uh, uh, uh feminist roadshow travels, uh, encountered Tom Felton deep in the woods uh-huh. after having a milkshake spilled on her right uh, and and has decided to nurse him back to health that may yeah tom, tom felton got adopted is what you're saying <laughs> tom felton got adopted by emma watson <laughs> he's he's gonna teach her how to play guitar she's gonna teach him how to beatbox oh i forgot about that it just sent it sent a chill through my through my bones <laughs> a little bit <laughs> yeah um this has this has become this is the new celebrity headline. I I mean who kn- who knows, right? But I'm I'm just here to enjoy all of the beautiful uh, headlines about it like this one uh Tom Felton and Emma Watson's zodiac signs reveal if they're more likely to be friends or lovers. 
Oh, what what's revealed by that? Let's find out. This is from Elite Daily. Mm-hmm. Uh it says, okay, I should preface this by saying I have no idea if these two Hogwarts grads are actually in a relationship. I'm also fresh out of Veritas Serum, so I can't coax the truth out of them with a magic potion. See, just a little, just a little <laughs> lore, uh, lore explanation there. Um, so Watson is an Aries, and Felton is a Virgo. So Aries and Virgos both have a strong sense of responsibility and are known for being hard workers. Uh, mm. and, which is true. We can see how hard he works when he is uh, recording a quick cameo in front of a garbage can to send to someone <laughs> for four hundred dollars. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Progressive. Uh, let's see. Uh, although they have a strong sense of relation responsibility and are known for being hard workers, a romantic relationship that progresses between these two usually leads to major compatibility issues. Uh-oh. Oh, uh oh. No. Just as a relationship between a Gryffindor and a Slytherin is possible, but not likely. Pairing a fiery Aries with a closed-off Virgo is more likely to end in heartbreak than it is in a happily ever after. Sorry, Hermione. I think there's a reason why J.K. Rowling paired you with Ron instead of Draco. What? <sighs> That's so this is really This is really mixing up a lot of stuff because it's both like, uh, you know, star signs, which I know nothing about and don't believe in. And then also the compatibility of the fictional characters that they played that presumably have different star signs than the ones we're talking about here in this article. So <laughs> I'm like a little sorry. bit, I'm a little confused. Yeah, I, I agree, but I'm sorry. I have to, I have to, I, I was ready to just be done with the article and then I was skimming the rest of it. And I do actually need to finish this off. Oh, Anyone familiar with Emma Watson knows that she is an outspoken feminist queen who never hesitates to share her ideas and promote discourse. And that I'm always promoting discourse. You gotta promote the discourse. I love promoting discourse. And that makes sense. Those born under the sign of the ram are known for being energetic, independent, and strong-willed. As a fire sign, Aries uh, uh, have an infinite zest for life and aren't afraid to pursue what they want. So basically all Aries are Hermione Granger's. When it comes to love connections, an heiress cannot be with someone who is timid or complacent. They need someone who can match their power and drive, or they'll simply grow bored with the relationship. Now, I'm not saying that Felton isn't ambitious, but it's hard to match the force of nature that is Watson. (laughs) It's clear that she has had some influence on the actor. Soon after posting the picture of their guitar lesson, he shared a photo of himself sitting cross-legged on a beach wearing a Women Do It Better shirt. With photo credit given to EW, though I'm sure I could have figured out who staged this photo shoot without him giving photo cred. However, Watson will probably agree that being an agent for change requires more than sporting a t-shirt. Oh, That's right. God. That's <laughs> right. You need to go on Lin-Manuel Miranda's talk show and beatbox with him. That's true. Um, did Is the implication here that either <laughs> she gave him the shirt... It in as as like okay i'm gonna teach you to be a feminist now here's your merch or <laughs> or did she teach him to be a feminist and then he's like i gotta get a new shirt now <laughs> i need i i'm tired of wearing pajamas all the time i at least need a t-shirt i know what'll impress emma watson i'll get this shirt that's all actually kind of vaguely a weird sex joke <laughs> 
trying. He's just he just learned about feminism. Emma Watson just told him he just spilled a milkshake on her. So he has a lot to learn, I think. Despite both valuing industriousness and ambition, Aries and Virgos don't tend to see eye to eye when it comes to other values. Virgos hold intelligence and logical reasoning in high esteem. While Aries basically believes that bravery is a greater impetus for progress than smarts. Emma Watson is a total Gryffindor, while Faye Felton might be a better clip for Ravenclaw IRL. Just as there is a big difference between wearing a t-shirt with a feminist slogan and campaigning for equal rights, there's a difference between knowing what is right and doing what is right. A Virgo Mm. is more likely to admire initiative, while an Aries is much likely to take it. As much as I shipped Hermione, I think that their lack of astrological compatibility makes them a better fit as friends than lovers. Don't get me wrong, Tom. You're great, but Emma doesn't have time for any person who isn't ready to tirelessly crush the patriarchy with her this is this is so <laughs> powerful uh-huh this is yeah. some, this is taking some weird shots at, at tom here i feel like the author is maybe a little bit upset about the shirt like oh he thinks he can just wear a shirt and <laughs> and end the patriarchy well tom felton's got a lot of learning to do <laughs> Uh, well, Emma Watson spoke to the UN that one time. Maybe this year we'll see Tom Felton up there uh, in his pajamas telling everyone, hey, why don't we just get along? Maybe he could write a song about it. Oh, he could. Oh, he could bring his guitar. Oh, oh, that's perfect. I'm just, just waiting for the Emma Watson, Tom Felton uh, feminism duet. Oh, shit. Wow. That's powerful. Can you imagine? Yeah, it's the it's maybe the worst thing I can imagine. <laughs> Just imagine if it's like it's like Emma Watson, Tom Felton, they release a single featuring a rap verse from Ed Sheeran. I think that <sighs> might be that might be the uh, the kind of thing that will really change the world. Yeah, absolutely. And show, and show Emma that Tom is for serious about about feminism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Well, that's that's very very uh important news but there's something even more important going on now uh in the wizarding world sure they've finally announced the wizarding world app digital thing that's what it's called wizarding world app digital thing um we have been waiting a long time for this news is Uh, this what we've been waiting for well question mark because i it is I mean, it is the first thing they have announced with this branding since that week, uh, and the and the like updates to the website initial the initial updates, um, and this does mention that you need the passport to log in. Oh, I didn't see that. Yes, yeah, sign up for your wizarding passport and keep checking here to find out when and where the app will be coming. Okay, next. but the passport is just a list of three things. It's just three things you like uh but hey you'll be able to have it on your phone now as an app so if someone says hey what do you like about harry potter you don't even have to say anything you can just pull out your app and show them i am luna lovegood birdie bots every flavor beans uh 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 giant squid right just thinking of, just thinking of three things in harry potter very easy for me and my big brain sure. um uh but yeah so they've announced uh that this will have polls news announcements as well as a new fanzine wizarding weekly landing every wednesday and i really want to focus on the fanzine thing here okay 
So, yeah, let's focus on this because either <laughs> either they are creating something a, a marketing some marketing material and calling it a fanzine, which right. it just isn't, or they're soliciting free work from fans. Right? Yes. Those There's, are the two options. Those are the two options. I'm curious. I wonder because the the Harry Potter subreddit community and I think also MuggleNet collaborate on that Quibbler thing. Like they do that mm. quarterly Quibbler magazine that has like all the fanfic and the like in universe ads right. and stuff that they make. Yeah. And like that's a fanzine. Um yeah. and I'm and I'm curious if like it's going to be something like that or if it's going to be I mean, like you say, just like, like if it's coming straight from the company, it's just marketing materials. There's kind of no way to get around that, really. Hmm. Yeah. Are they going to publish my my Snape Lockhart fan fiction in their fanzine oh, on the official app? Please, please. Oh my God. Speaking of Snape Lockhart, yeah. I know this is this is completely off topic, and this yeah. is bringing up something that that was more of a common room thing, but but it is so important. Sure. I'm, um, al- I'm always up for talking about Snape Lockhart. Snape Lockhart. Someone someone tagged uh, me in this on the, on the Twitter, and I agree with them. New Fire Emblem game. Ha- we're all, of course has Snape in it. We all know that mm-hmm. Hubert Hubert is Snape, right? Yeah. Um, but there's another character, Ferdinand, who is just Lockhart, basically. Oh, that's and interesting. I was really thrown off by the red hair and kind of assigned Ferdinand as a Weasley, having not mm. played the game yet. Mm-hmm. So that's very interesting to me. However, uh, apparently, I mean, like, they, I don't know if they can get to S rank, but you can do their support conversations, and and there's some there's some spice there. Mm. Uh, so we might have a real life model finally for our Snape Lockhart fic. That's wonderful news. Yeah. So so I will I will be passing those materials along to you for for wonderful. Need you to confirm that this is that this is a uh, a valid take on this, but I was sure. so excited. I was like, I'm so glad that the fans are looking out for us, uh, and and are are alerting us to the presence of potential Snape Lockhart content. Absolutely. So yeah, so I I have absolutely no idea. Like they they did this big announcement, they tweeted it out. Um, they have not said anything about what the fuck this app is since. Uh, they they, they said it was coming. <laughs> What this sounds like to me is just like, here's sort of the old Pottermore, but worse. Like, apps like are we're hot. done. Yeah, right. Apps are hot. We're done with the, we're done with being fake Buzzfeed. Now we're going to be like, I don't know, fake. What's I, I, I can't even really tell. Like what's a, like a fake Taylor Swift tickets app, but cause we, Oh, it is the Taylor Swift tickets app. Cause there's the, if you subscribe to the app, according to that leak, we're going to be able to get Cursed Child tickets. Or we'll be first in line. Yeah, it is the Taylor Swift tickets app. <laughs> I feel like Great. the era of apps being a novel way to do activities like polls and quizzes and like reading little snippets is mm-hmm. over. But maybe that's not true. I mean, you have an app on your phone just for watching the first Fantastic Beasts. I do. I think that app might be being discontinued. Oh, that's so sad. So I don't sad. know if they're taking away my Watch Fantastic Beasts app. Um, 
but but I'll have to see. It just it feels like that is the era that we're in that the apps to watch Fantastic Beasts are being discontinued. So it yeah. seems like an odd time for it to be like it's Pottermore, but you can take the Patronus quiz on your phone now. Right. I mean, there's the um, Jeremy Renner has his own app now. It, it, like that's the that that was sort of like going around yesterday. Was it like if hey. If you thought that Jeremy Renner music video was funny, he has his own social media app where he posts pictures of himself fishing and stuff. And why? Why does he just post on Instagram like everyone else? Right. Like that's the thing is is it is it is such a it is such a novelty to see these like specifically curated apps for one thing when everyone is just leveraging like n- normal social media stuff anyway. Uh, so I'm yeah I'm I'm not sure this just feels like they're lagging a few years behind and i'm very curious to see how this thing shakes out um it is launching in new zealand first for some reason so if we have any treecast listeners in new zealand who want to send us some good screenshots of this app uh, uh please pass those along to the twitter or our email uh because we would love to see what the fuck this thing is i i hope it ends up being an app that is also kind of a game Although it kind of sucks yeah. that it's going to be wrapped into like this real money uh, kind of portion with like tickets and stuff. Like obviously they are going to do that. Um, but I I am a little bit curious if they are going to try to bring back some of the kind of old Pottermore stuff. Um, yeah. But I, I have a hard time imagining them doing that without some sort of like monetary motivation on their part. <laughs> I can't wait to check out the fanzine. I want to check out the fanzine. Here's my proposal for WB. Mm. Um, Blizzard is about to launch World of Warcraft Classic. Yeah. Next week, I think. Sure. I want WB to launch Pottermore Classic. Give us <sighs> give us the old Pottermore. I got really stuck on the the potions class flash game. <laughs> See, I didn't even get to see it. I wanna, I wanna play the flash games. I wanna, I wanna experience what it was like back when instead of just like punching in like a search term and getting all the articles, I wanted to like, I wanna earn all these bad, bad uh, Buzzfeed articles by like t- taming a hippogriff in a flash game or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, I would love to see. I would love to see a restored Pottermore um, before this app bulldozes our beloved current version of pottermore for sure well that's all i have for news how about we hit up our reading for this week i don't know why i'm saying hit up like hey reading how you doing yeah um we read chapter 32 which i believe is called out of the fire although i have called it interchangeably into the fire and out of the fire so now I'm I'm questioning what it's, it's very confusing called. because out of the frying pan and into the fire is a phrase. Out of the fire implies that you're not in the danger. I, I questioning the phrase. The, again, this is another extremely literal chapter title. It turns out. <laughs> yes, but it's it is not figurative in the slightest. It's not like Harry's like, oh, I'm finally out of the fire. Yeah, uh, he's in the fire, but he will be oh, out yeah. of the fire. Um. <laughs> We, uh, it's just kind of a hard cut from the last chapter. He had just had his um, vision of Voldemort torturing Sirius in the Department of Mysteries. Um, 
and he's kind of waking up from that and he's in the middle of the the history of magic exam um but he is he is freaking out and he is he's very shaken from this vision and kind of just gets out of the exam immediately um the uh, administrator of the exam assumes that it's like pressure from the exams that has made him collapse. And so Harry goes to the hospital wing, uh, mostly to find Professor McGonagall because he needs to tell someone from the order that Sirius has been captured and is being tortured uh, at the ministry. Um, he gets there uh, and finds out from Madame Pomfrey that, that McGonagall has been transferred to St. Mungo's um, because uh, it's, it's pretty dangerous to be hit by um, a bunch of stunning spells at once and, and, Pumphrey kind of goes on about how irresponsible and and horrible that was and on and on. Um, Harry kind of goes through his his list of people in the order that he can go talk to at Hogwarts and is is slowly having this realization that every order member has been kind of taken away from Hogwarts. He doesn't have Hagrid, he doesn't have McGonagall, he doesn't have Dumbledore. Um, so the next thing he thinks in kind of this this frenzied state is like, I need to find Hermione and Ron. Uh, he goes and finds them uh, and he has decided that he, they have to go to the department of mysteries right now and rescue Sirius. Cause there's nothing else to do. Um, uh, Hermione basically points out why that's wrong. Um, she kind of goes down the list like, well, Dumbledore wanted you to learn occlumency so you would stop having these visions. How do you know it's not a trick? Um, there, it doesn't make any sense. How would Voldemort get into the ministry in the middle of the afternoon when everyone's at work? Um, Harry does not appreciate that. He basically screams at her and is like, but it's been real the whole time. How do you explain me seeing Arthur Weasley be attacked? Um, Ron kind of kind of agrees with him and is like, oh, well, that all seems true. Um, Hermione's like, please stop. Please don't go to the Department of Mysteries. We have to find out if Sirius is at Grimmauld Place or not. Harry reluctantly agrees to that compromise. Um, and Hermione kind of so shows she's serious by by concocting like a plan to make that happen. Um, at the same time, Luna and Ginny walk into the like classroom where they're they're having this conversation because they heard Harry yelling. Um and and so they they kind of come up with this plan where Harry is going to take the invisibility cloak and the lockpick knife and break into Umbridge's office. Ginny, Luna, Ginny and Luna are going to be lookouts, uh, and Hermione uh, is going to go with Harry, and Ron is going to tell Umbridge that that Peeves is doing something that she has to respond to immediately. Um, Harry Harry does this all immediately. They go, they break into Umbridge's office, uh, and he fire calls Grimmauld Place. Um, but the only person there or that kind of answers the fire call is Creature, who is cackling and is in a great mood um, and says that Sirius isn't there and he will not be coming back from the Department of Mysteries. Um, before Harry can kind of get more answers from Creature, Umbridge drags Harry out of the fire. It turns out that she set up, you know, alarms and, and, and such after her office being broken into so many times and having the Nifflers in there. Um, Harry is, is back in her office where the Inquisitorial Squad, which are those Slytherins, have, have Hermione, Ron, Ginny, Luna, and Neville uh, all just kind of captured in there. Umbridge demands to know who Harry was talking to. He won't, he won't tell her. Um, so she calls uh Snape to her office and Harry is having the revelation that Snape was there the whole time and he forgot that he was in the order um, and didn't even consider talking to him. Uh, Umbridge uh, asks Snape for more from her truth serum and he says, you know, I'm out from the last time you had me had me 
uh, give you some, I can't help you. Um, Harry tries to communicate to Snape in code what's happening, and Snape pretends to just kind of not know what he's talking about. Um, and and Umbridge ends up uh, telling telling Snape that he's on probation. Uh, Snape leaves. Um, Umbridge uh, then decides it's time to torture Harry for the truth. Um, Hermione kind of tries to negotiate with her, like, you can't do that. It's illegal. And she doesn't care. She's going to torture Harry and the ministry is going to appreciate her for, for that. Um, and before she can, uh, Hermione starts fake crying and says, um, I'm going to tell you everything. Uh, so, so don't hurt Harry. Um, and Umbridge falls for this. And Hermione says that Dumbledore has had them helping him build a weapon in the forbidden forest and that she'll take Umbridge to it. Um, but the Slytherins can't go and Umbridge says, okay. And that's the end of the chapter. You remember when we went to see the Warcraft movie? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. Remember how, uh, the first like 10 minutes of the Warcraft movie were really good. And then the title card hit and everything just (laughs) sort of like tumbled down a hill after that. <laughs> I I yes. Yes, I do remember that. I feel like I have more to say on this this topic. However, we are not here doing a Warcraft movie <laughs> podcast, so I'm just going to oh, say only. broadly oh, yes. Broadly yes, I know what you mean. Okay. That was this chapter for me. Mm. Um I really like there's the, there's this like brief moment at the beginning of this chapter where like Harry has a problem and is unable to convince his friends to take his problem seriously uh and everyone is behaving in character in a way that is really interesting and like echoes the frustrations he had at the beginning of the book and it feels like this really like tragic regression into like his paranoia and like worries from the beginning of the book mm-hmm. and like Hermione is doing the Hermione thing that you know we really like which is like she is probably correct but is very bad at like not making things worse right Mm -hmm. like yeah like she's 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 um her her like desire to be right sometimes overrides her like emotional intelligence and she is picking maybe the worst possible time imaginable to like criticize harry's uh quote saving people thing um and ron is easily convinced because he has a very strong connection to uh uh his dad and harry last time this happened harry saved his dad's life like like there's a lot going on here that just like is hitting all those character development beats and it's, it's I, feeling... I really like ron in this scene like a lot yeah because he, he's like weirdly passive and he's just like you can tell he like does not want to be part of this argument but but he's just there way- kind of saying at every part like oh damn that's true yeah <laughs> he really is he's just like like every time harry or hermione says something he's just sort of like backing it up it's very good <laughs> um and and i think they're like the the exact moment where like i was sort of like shaken out of my trance of being like way into this scene was when Ginny and Luna walk in and are like, oh, hey, what's up? We heard you yelling. It's so fucked up. 
because you can't that's do literally that. that's literally what happened last time too. <laughs> when when they were in the hey, borough what's up? or whatever. We're characters, remember us? Ginny <laughs> just walks in like, hey, hey, what's up? What's going on? How big is this castle? Right. Like that's the <laughs> thing. Like when it was in the borough, like it was funny, but it's like, well, it's a house. Like, like you know, you can't. Yeah, someone's yelling in a in a single family home. You're gonna hear it, right? Yeah, that's just true. <laughs> Snape's Snape's hearing yelling from the Great Hall in the dungeons. Uh, <laughs> Luna and Ginny hanging out in the, in Gryffindor Tower, and they're like, I hear some yelling. I see hear Harry yelling in an abandoned classroom. <laughs> Harry, three Harry's wilding out in the classroom again. <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah, it just it just completely like the illusion is shattered, and I'm like, oh right, this book doesn't make any goddamn sense at all. There's yeah, there there's just a lot that like I appreciate this chapter having like any momentum at all, but the things propelling the story forward here just get increasingly crazy. I think I <laughs> I'm so torn because you're right. Like I I think it started off pretty strong. Um, Harry is very frustrating, but in kind of a fun way. And then the the plot kind of falls off of a cliff. However, yes. however, I was still kind of like hyped up about it. And I, oh, and I think that that yeah. really like shows just how much nothing has been happening for so long. Like this book treads so much water mm-hmm. that despite everything and like my real my real criticisms that I have with how the plot is handled. I'm still, I still had a great time front to back reading this chapter just because Uh it was like stuff is happening and it's kind (laughs) of fun. Yeah. We, we have been, we have been thirsting for so long for anything to happen at all. Like JK Rowling has finally walked into this room with like microwaved Pepsi and it's like, here you go. Here's something to drink. And it's like, well, this is not what I would choose under ideal circumstances, but I am not going to complain ah, but too I'm much. I'm so thirsty. I'm so Thank thirsty. You. I, will, I will drink this this microwave Pepsi with Fireball in it. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, I, I, I'm so, I have so many conflicting thoughts about like the way things unfold. Because on the one hand, I... I think it is very in character for Harry to like Harry, Harry's running through his like he's angry, he's um he's worried about Sirius, Hermione's arguing with him, like just pick picking the absolute worst time to like di- dig his like entire personality. Right. Like, um and and he's running through his mental checklist of like, okay, who are the people we can talk to? And he doesn't think about Snape. I think that's perfectly in character for Harry. Yeah. What I don't understand is why when Ginny and Luna, the smart girls, walk in, right? They don't go, "Hey, dumbass, uh, Snape is—he's—he's uh, he's in the dungeons right now. Why don't you go talk to him?" Like, I'm—I'm I'm shocked that no one else thought um, of. Or Hermione when she's literally talking to Snape about occlumency in that moment. Yes. Yes. Yeah. She was literally bringing him up. Like, hey, he was—he was teaching you the the, the brain magic. He's part of the order. Yeah. The thing about Luna and Ginny is that I forget what they know. Right. Yeah, I forgot. Because they aren't characters. What the order stuff was. Right. Because she's there. But does Luna? I still don't know. (laughs) Luna's part of the DA, but I don't know if she has any order 
contacts, right? Like that's I don't a, think so. That is a that is a weird one. I but yes, this this whole scene of of just like the the illusion of this great drama shattered by these non characters walking in to like rattle off maybe the stupidest plan that anyone has had in these books yet like i i appreciate like on the one hand like i appreciate that hermione is like okay to prove that i am not just bullshitting you and to be proactive here here's an idea but this weird idea to like set up this complicated like checkpoint system in the corridors so people (laughs) won't walk into umbridge's office is very wild to me especially because this is the part where where i was like again thrown into complete mental disarray trying to understand who exactly the uh the the weasley twins were supposed to be Ginny comes up with this idea of like i'll tell people that there's garroting gas in the hall Mm -hmm. then like when harry gives her a look she like explains like oh like like fred and george were planning on doing that before they left the implication both from the name and what Ginny says to people who are going in that corridor a page later is that it would fucking kill you. Like Fred and George were just going to like oh, murder yeah. an entire oh, big time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Umbridge would hate that. Now that that would create some chaos. <laughs> Step one, fireworks. Step two. I put a swamp in a classroom. Step three, I'm going to fucking kill anyone who walks in this hallway. <laughs> like, what? <sighs> That's some good stuff. Maybe their plan was that they were going to tell people there was grotting gas. Maybe that's what no, Jimmy that, meant. That, that, okay, yeah, they were going to put the fear of God into the students instead. <laughs> <laughs> that was the, Their big final prank is convince everyone that they're going to die and then say, just kidding. <laughs> we're there was no gas. Is that a is that a wizard wheezes product? <laughs> sure, hope not. Yeah, this, here we've we're starting a new shop. We we sell we sell poison gas, roofies, um, and ipecac. <laughs> this is the entrepreneurial a, spirit. That's yeah. They're just the the got you gotta love those Weasley twins. So the the, the I, I I feel like I've kind of gone like really far through the chapter here but there's not i guess there's really not that much meat once you get past the it's a lot of dialogue it's a it is a dialogue heavy chapter here's a question that i would like to pose yeah what's the point of luna lovegood yeah what is the point of luna lovegood uh hmm. they needed someone to stand on the opposite side of a corridor jk rowling remembered that corridors have have two entrances and Ginny can cover one, and she's like, well, someone's got to stand at the other end of the hallway. I guess Luna Lovegood can do that. Every time Luna had something to say or do, other than maybe one exception where it's serious, like, like tension time, and Luna looks bored, which I guess is kind of funny, I, I did not enjoy her presence at she's, all. Okay, I've got, I've got some, I've got, I've got something here. Sure. I watched the new Invader Zim. <sighs> I don't. I've never watched Invader Zim. I I did not know there was a new one. Um, <laughs> There's a new movie, but I'm ready. So Invader in Invader Zim, like I I would say Invader Zim has not aged well. Um, but I think that the charm 
of the new movie, which I I would say I would recommend, uh, is is that it is it is that thing, right? Like it it is charming in how two thousands it is, right? Yeah, I, I made you a cookie, but I eat it. One thousand billion percent. Sure. Uh, the little funny robot who just says random stuff in in Invader Zim, like he just punctuates every conversation with it. Like there's there is a right at the very beginning of this movie, there is a part where like two main characters are talking and the robot Gur is there and I cannot God, this is so this is so 2000s. The, the one character says, I even it's like I even looked for you at that taco stand you like because, you know, tacos hilarious. Right. Uh, yeah. And the robot just says to no one in particular, I ate a baby there. And like oh. that is just that's Luna Lovegood. There's a part here where she's like, do you mean Stubby Boardman or whatever? <laughs> and it's like, it feels it has the cadence of an Invader Zim joke where like Luna Lovegood is just the stupid robot hanging around these other people having conversations saying random shit after everything. The, Luna the Lovegood stu- is the, the Stubby Boardman thing fucked me up because... You can't act like that is just an absolutely absurd off the wall thing to say in the same <laughs> chapter that you mention offhand Harold Dingle. Because yeah, the whole time I'm like, who is Stubby Boardman? And then I had to realize, oh, this is supposed to be like a crazy thing she said. But it doesn't seem that crazy when that's how J.K. Rowling names all of her characters. Right, yeah. Stubby Boardman could easily be one of like Mundungus Fletcher's. And maybe he hang on, what's I, I did not Stubby Boardman. Stubby Boardman was a British wizard and the lead singer of a musical group called the Hobgoblins. Oh, it's right. It's that fucking Quibbler article from the very beginning of the book. Yeah. Oh, because Sirius Black is a singer has been has been in disguise as the singer of a band. Right. It's a very was- long book. We've been reading it for a really long time. Yeah. Stubby Boardman gets paid. Yeah. Luna Lovegood is maybe my biggest disappointment in this book, just because like. I don't know. I went into this book assuming that like, yeah, I remember Luna. She's funny. She's a little weird. She's like the the like airy fairy, like like pleasant character. That'll be fun. I'm looking forward to that. And I forgot that. No, she's just like window dressing, really. I mean, I guess that if she if if she is uh, the robot from Invader Zim like that really solidly kind of puts her character in the time that this was written right like it's oh, probably sure. a hoot yeah like like yeah the i could see why she got so popular in a book that came out in 2003 behaving like this right mm-hmm. like like her entire shtick is just like undercutting every scene by punctuating the conversation with like random asides does she does she have a payoff really like like what happens to luna in the rest of this book I think, I think she it's goes the Thestral thing. Oh, yes. She's going to suggest that they ride Thestrals to the ministry, isn't she? That's gonna I be don't like- know about I thought I, I don't know. This might be movie poisoning, but I thought that she has a conversation with Harry at the end that wraps up her her intro where because, you know, Harry was like, oh, mm. no, I'm as crazy as Luna. But then he, I think he talks to her and she t- tells him that, like, she watched her mom die or whatever. So they okay. have like a touching, touching moment together. And that turned her into Gur the Robot from Invader Zim. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Great. <laughs> okay, so Harry remembers he has his magical pocket knife, but not a um, 
doesn't remember the mirror, which fair enough. And, and gets into Umbridge's office and sticks his head in the fireplace and creatures there. I don't remember what, why creature is involved in this scheme. Like I, I don't really get that part. And I'm also just like, I, he, I, I don't know. Is, is he just saying whatever? I don't. So that part, I have no idea. Uh, that part, I do not remember at all, but I, I, I think, cause doesn't Cre- creature has one of the horcruxes or wants one of them. He has the locket. He has the, he, he was, actually there, has it. There was, there was literally a post on the subreddit in this past week where it was like, uh, DAE, uh, notice a creature was mean cause he slept with a locket. And I, and I remember <laughs> no clicking way. it cause I was like, cause I was like, slept with a locket. Like, why would that make you mean? And then I opened it and remember that they were, it was like, oh yeah, it's a horcrux. It's, it's, oh, it's, the, the, it's the one ring or whatever. So. Got it. Oh, that's right. Because I rem- they they were when they were cleaning the the black family house. It was mentioned that he had like some like bits and bobs and stuff in his little like nook, right? Right. Yeah. And it like vaguely mentioned, it like briefly mentioned like, oh, there's a there's a brute an old locket. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So so I think maybe maybe Voldemort's like, uh, I'll let you keep that locket if you say some shit to Harry Potter if he ever sticks his head in the fireplace. But I don't really know. <laughs> I, I again feel like we're going through this really fast but then i remember that like oh most of this chapter is the scene where umbridge catches him and decides to just spill all of her beans uh for him and yeah but there are also speech. there also just aren't very many beans the beans are not very substantial i don't feel not, not too many beans she's not she will not be unlocking the secret bean challenge room <laughs> absolutely not fred and george are not gonna let her into the bean room absolutely you're not getting into the bean room and and uh uh, neither are the uh, i mean if she's not getting in the the inquisitorial squad certainly isn't did you like that they that this book brought back millicent bulstrode just so a girl could be fighting hermione no i didn't (laughs) i didn't like that at all that was like the most transparent, like, oh, we need the girl Slytherin to manhandle Why? Hermione. <laughs> also, what about Pansy? Oh, that's right. Yeah, the other well Pan was Pansy was fighting Luna, I think. Oh. I think it was I think it was seriously like 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 split down the middle, just like I need the the the, the Inquisitorial Squad and the Order or the, the DA members get caught need to be perfectly matched along gender lines so i don't need to write anything uncomfortable i suppose is, is the uh uh the the logic here i just found that very funny i was like oh right millicent bulstrode from book two every single moment that something like this happens in this book i look at i know i know i'm a broken record i say this every time there are so many pages in this book and not very much happens. Why can't any of these characters be characters? What is the time spent on? I can't even figure it out. Like if you are if you are building to this grand showdown where you have to have Millicent Bolstrode back to like put <laughs> Hermione in a half Nelson. How about bringing her up before now? How about making her a character with scenes that are in this book? Yeah, I would have loved oh. if there was like. Instead of like the Weasley Wizard Wheezes shit popping off for like three chapters, I would have loved if there had been like this weird childish shadow war 
between like the inquisitorial squad and the DA or something. Right. Like, and that I feel like that would have been hugely satisfying in a book where we're about to have mortal consequences, right? Like that is right. the point of Harry being like, oh, someone fucking died, right? Right, yeah. And yeah, we were like, doing this like school kid shadow war. Yeah, I kind of love that idea. If it was just like Hogwarts Lord of the Flies or something, and they were just like like goofing off and it then it goes too far or whatever. Like, just like there's anything. There's a story there. Yeah. <laughs> Potentially. Anyway, hold on. I need to get my book because I just realized I've been sitting here this whole time and I'm like ready to quote Umbridge's big speech. And I can't do that because that's I wouldn't want to misrepresent her powerful powerful mm, speech here. Right. Um so she she gets Harry and let me see here. Where where even to begin with this? Because it is very uh <laughs> there's some options here. Ah, so Harry. Okay, so she grabs him out of the fire. She says, "Who? Who do you? Who, who are you talking to?" Mm. And he's like, "I want my firebolt," which is a very. <laughs> I kind of that's like the one part where I was like, "Okay, that's kind of good," because because that's just like the worst worst lie fucking possible here, right? Um, but this this is maybe I think like like in in totality, if you like zoom out and like really imagine what's going on in this scene, <laughs> it is the like we had the um the the Dumbledore clusterfuck chapter earlier where it's all in his office there's like 50 people in there he does his AoE attack and and it's just ridiculous right <laughs> yeah i think this might honestly top it just like visually thinking about what's going on here so like uh-huh. all of the order members and the in- the inquisitorial squad are like locked in in a like animation loop of just them struggling right like <laughs> oh yeah they're they're all they're all doing struggle struggle dot mov and just sort of like <laughs> wiggling in the background harry's got his head in the fireplace mm-hmm. umbridge a t- this, this tiny little frog woman walks in and pulls him out of the fireplace and everyone continues wiggling in place <laughs> while she like like slams him against her desk and starts interrogating him uh-huh. like the the visuals here are incredible also it's all happening in this like pink room full of like doilies and and like kitten paintings and stuff like it's it's almost genius how bizarre this is but it doesn't i don't i don't know it it's it's a little weird i <laughs> Them, them all like because it it cuts back a lot and like describes them struggling. It it literally says that Hermione is in a half Nelson. I think mm-hmm. uh, I didn't just come up with that on my own. And it just no. it it's like why why are they struggling and not just all out fighting or are incapacitated? Right, like like they could be being held at one point or something, and it would at least be a little less ridiculous. But this this idea that like four separate wrestling matches are happening 
like mm-hmm. in the background of this scene is very funny to me. It also goes out of its way to point out that Neville is there too, and then Harry doesn't know why. And yes! that leads yes! me to wonder also why. Harry's bewilderment, Neville was trapped in a stranglehold by Crab. It looked in imminent danger of suffocation. All four of them had been gagged. Oh, it's because they he saw someone attacking Luna and went to help her. So he just got they, like Are they setting them up? Like what? What? <laughs> he was just there, I guess, and got and I guess they like turned into like a like a Tasmanian devil style like fighting cloud and they all wound up in the in the office. Maybe he heard some yelling. <laughs> well, that's true. I mean, we we do know that everyone can hear the yelling in this in this school. So <laughs> So he he was just having to be walking by and got caught up in the dust cloud and then then it all it all uh, all ended and culminated in Umbridge's office. You know, a good way of of making people care about characters that exist in the novel is to have scenes with them in it, not just have them arrive for no reason. Yeah, I think Neville Neville in this book has like he's he he had that scene in the hospital many chapters ago which was pretty good I that's think a that, good that one was, that's a good scene but it's not really to do with anything like school or order related he cast a patronus oh no he he did expelliarmus badly yeah he was too polite to tell him uh and then he said my grand knows the 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 lady who does the grading mm and now here he is fighting tooth and nail uh, in a in a half Nelson with crab. Right. And and Harry doesn't know why. And neither do I. So <laughs> I, I guess it's, that's empathy with the protagonist. It's so it's so much to me that it literally just says like Harry was bewildered that he was like, what are you doing here, man? Like, <laughs> I feel like that's something you don't really want to like draw attention to. Like as as an author, just like like the, the main character right. didn't have any fucking clue. I think at that point you might want to revisit why for yourself, <laughs> right. the writer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. And just where this really truly well, no, okay. Let me let, let I'm gonna I'm gonna lead with the nice thing. Mm. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna lead with the positive. Great. Snape is great here. I love him. Tell, tell, let's, let's, let's indulge. Tell me all about Snape in this scene. Okay. So, um, he, this is the return, I think, of the Harry being really stupid about Snape and Snape being just like completely unruffled and doing the right thing and being right. Mm-hmm. And being very funny about it. Um, he he comes in and and Umbridge wants wants a potion and he just tells her no and she gets really mad about it. And he's just insulting everyone in the room, but he can't make the potion, which is so obvious that he's do- he's he's doing Harry a solid here, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, it is and Harry has no clue, right? amazing he he gets the message from harry acts like he has no idea what harry is saying even though harry should know better yeah Um, harry should not have said harry blurts out what is it they have pad foot at the place where it's held or whatever yes should not have said that probably (laughs) snape is unaffected 
Yeah. Um, and and then Snape gets fired um by Umbridge, and it describes in the text that he like, and this is a quote, does an ironic bow and leaves the room. I love Snape. Snape has irony poisoning. That's true he's, power. He's just like us. He is. <laughs> he's just like us. Yeah, she like puts him on probation and his just one reaction is to like do it, uh, an ironic little bow and walk out the room. He's so powerful. The The perception of Snape as a character by every fan is so wrong. 100%. 100% all- wrong. <laughs> All, all of, all of the, 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 the drama over, uh, you know, was Snape a good guy? Was Snape a bad guy? Was is he redeemable? Is he a morally great character? I don't care. What I love about Snape is that he is a messy bitch who lives for drama. Yes, uh, he and, and, he has been waiting to do an irony bow for five books now. Yeah, like, I just, seriously, I just believe that. Like you, no, you don't just do an irony bow. Right. Upon getting fired from your job, unless you yes. were fucking ready. <laughs> yeah, Snape. Snape never. Snape has never bowed to anyone before, and and so he is he is deploying uh, a tactic that he has been like he's probably like kept this one like in you know break in case of getting fired or something. Like, how am I going to respond? I'm going to do a fucking bow. Actually, I'm retooling this a little bit, though, because mm. you know that he's out there being a spy and doing irony bowing at Voldemort all day long. Oh, that's a good point. Oh, but this yeah, is so his now special he... move. Yeah. This... <laughs> yeah, this is his his plus two loyalty planeswalker move is ironic <laughs> bow. He just gets to do it all the time. He's great. <laughs> I, I just think I feel like this is the perception. Everyone's like he he's like irrational, flying off the handle, um, on and he's a bully, on and on. But really, he's just like going around being completely unaffected in every situation and doing like irony bowing. <laughs> he's he's an icon. We can't we can't uh, 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 take Snape for granted any longer. I will not stand for any more snape character development slander least of all from this book i can't, i'm really worried about where things are going for book six but <sighs> i i'm i'm going to cherish this moment with snape i feel for me personally i feel like this is the point where snape's character is doing an irony bow to us the readers yeah and is exiting snape is yeah he's he, him, his he's been fired there's nothing left for him <laughs> here uh off he goes into that into that bit into that beautiful dark night and he is he is he is hanging his laurels mm-hmm, goodbye mm-hmm. snape goodbye we love you so much <laughs> yeah uh no i i really like this scene it is like you say like like uh him him like covering clearly for harry here and harry, harry is not so really... stupid yeah harry being a huge dumbass uh and like not really getting what it is exactly that that snape is doing uh and do you think the because because harry was like trying to mind read at snape like he was trying to to like think about the serious thing at snape do you think that worked because i think snape keeps locking eyes with him and i think 
maybe there's an implication that that like actually was working and then he says it out loud anyway i'm very curious where how this how that turns out because i like I, to I, think he was yeah <laughs> i'm very biased or, or the i mean like the, the other more likely thing is that like 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 all the time in harry potter like and especially these books now where like the the um you know like the the the, the story is about how harry keeps on leaping in face first into problems that other people are already working on like he probably already knows right that like if if something is up he I mean he's in contact with dumbledore presumably and and mcgonagall like he's not an idiot right he's uh if something's going on he probably knows and so and so harry once again acting like he is like the lone hero who has to do everything himself is potentially endangering snape's cover here also i will say um this this is might be like a little bit of a call out uh mm. to the harry potter fandom mm. um because as as we all know in the next book snape's gonna kill dumbledore that's right and i remember distinctly going to the book seven like midnight release Mm -hmm. and there were some very uh passionate debates and and honestly a lot of marketing as well around whether snape was a good or a bad guy and i don't know how you could read these books and not know that he's a good guy I just and I'm not out here to say like, oh, if you thought Snape was a bad guy when he killed Dumbledore, you're dumb because I don't think that's true. And I think a lot of it comes down to like, honestly, a lot of like, like basically like story experience. Right. The more the more you read, the more that you are just going to do like pattern recognition. Right. Like that. That's just true of people. And I think for a lot of people, Harry Potter was was maybe their their like first book series or even like. Mm they're only books i feel like that was a really common narrative of like kids that don't read read harry potter so i'm not out here (laughs) saying like oh if you thought snape was evil when he killed dumbledore like you're dumb because i don't think that's true but i i just like i'm i'm kind of side-eyeing like the marketing and stuff and all of the like impassioned essays and this is such like a very silly thing for me to bring up as like evidence. And, and in fact, it sounds like I'm writing my own essay about why Snape is a, was like very obviously a good guy. But Snape's exit upon leaving this room is to tell the Slytherin that is that is doing a wrestling move on Neville to knock it off. <laughs> right. And he like, clo- you know, he like couches it in this like really funny like. Like, oh, I would hate to have to do the paperwork if you killed Neville or whatever. But like he's doing that because he has cover to maintain, right? Like as the mean the mean Slytherin guy. Yeah, and and I and I like all of that, and I like how stupid that makes Harry, really. <laughs> or or, or yeah. I guess like in in a, saying that in a nicer way, how how much Harry is going to suffer the consequences of his own bias, right? Like that's yeah. that's what this book is about, I assume. Totally totally i mean like i'm looking at my i have my copy of the book right here and like the quote on the back of the book is that thing from sirius saying the world isn't divided into good people and death eaters right Mm -hmm. and and as as corny as that quote is like on its own i think that is actually a really interesting theme in this book right yeah and i find that super interesting and it is very funny to me that the fandom itself basically is as dumb as harry is in this scene (laughs) and like 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 the fandom is just stuck in 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 harry's worldview here of like well snape is mean to me 
so I can't trust anything he does ever, right? <laughs> I love Snape so much. He rocks. Snape rules. I guess uh, I, I, I am also very biased. Yes, of course. But now we have to move on from the bad villain to the good villain, or excuse me, the good villain to the bad villain, Umbridge, here. We, I am we, so disappointed by all of this. Honestly, like for for real, like as much I I really I mean, I think that my bar was a little too high because Mm. Umbridge is the most like hate. I mean, that's the joke, right? A hundred ways to kill Umbridge. Like we hate Umbridge. She's the like I think I think people have have said she's like the best villain in Harry Potter. Mm -hmm. And and I just can't believe that the book took this lazy way out. I I don't know how else to say it. I know that's really harsh, but we we've talked multiple times because it has happened multiple times in this book about how confused, like the reveal of Umbridge being a villain is because we start this book and we hate her because she's an ugly woman. Right, like that, like that is the only reason you're given to hate her. It's like, oh, she's wearing pink and she looks like a toad and she's mm-hmm. annoying, right? Yeah. Like, so that feels weird. No preps allowed. <laughs> right. Yeah. No. No. No preps allowed. And, and like, I actually think, you know, in, in retrospect, I think that could have been kind of clever to like. It, it's sort of like subverting everyone's biases, right? Like, like, like you, you, you feel sympathy for Umbridge up front almost because it's like, oh, all these boys are being really shitty about her because she's just like this grandmotherly woman right who's like not a fun teacher like they're used to and like that gradually building into her being like like banal bureaucratic evil is so like there's so much potential there but she uses the torture pen in like chapter eight (laughs) or, or whatever the fuck and then keeps on doing that like like we've we've had the veritas serum thing we have her threatening like like saying like oh i've got to break out the big guns i've got to use the cruciatus curse on you now it's like but we like that's not a big revelation about her character that she would resort to this because she's already done it like three times to like multiple characters that that is her that is her first her first impulse right like this isn't her being frustrated that none of her other things are working especially because she pretty much has succeeded yeah right? like she, but but the but torture was literally the first thing she did <laughs> so so we're not like we're not like you know we're not seeing this like like horrible transformation from like someone who's like you know irritating but sort of like low level evil right like like you know like normal normal office pencil pusher evil becoming you know you know scratch beneath the surface and and she just you know becomes fascist or whatever but like we are we've already known all along so there's no there's no drama there's no tension here it's like yeah of course she would use the torture spell she's used multiple torture spells already on harry so shrug I and guess, other right? random characters for no reason. It points out that she does it to Lee Jordan one time. Oh, that's just, right. Just yeah. because. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like, like, like this is not this is not a secret between her and Harry. Even like this is just her like modus operandi. Like, I don't think there's anything that can make her less scary than just being Voldemort, but dumber. <laughs> right. She gives like we 
you know, we we kind of had some fun in the last book when Voldemort came back and gave everyone his big speech. Um, and Umbridge's speech is a lot shorter, but it is much dumber, I think, in <laughs> retrospect. Um, I love that she just reveals everything she's done to Harry when as far as I like what like what is her end goal here? Like she's about to torture some information out of him, but like, is she going to kill him? Is she going to send him to Azkaban? We don't know really. And so her just being like, here's all the crazy stuff I did kind of is just like, wait, why? Like, why are you, why are you spilling the beans like this? I also, there's something that really I got stuck on a lot, which is that if Harry told her the truth, why is that a problem? What is if what, Harry, what if, Harry's, if Harry was like I was looking to see if Sirius was at home because I saw a vision of him being tortured in the Department of Mysteries by Voldemort? What it what does that in why is that information confidential in this in this circumstance? <laughs> what know, is what what does Umbridge knowing that what does that do? <sighs> because their whole thing is because yeah. the, the their whole thing is that Voldemort's not back, right? Mm-hmm. yeah oh that's yeah that's a good point if she if he said like oh i saw voldemort or whatever she'd be like no you didn't or or would take him to the minister right like i'm i'm i think the only thing that is like a truth that needs to be like kept close to the chest here is that like harry knows sirius black and thinks he's a good guy yeah but umbridge has already told him that he she knows that oh that's right I forgot about that. So, so I don't. I, so I guess I yeah. just don't see what the what is going to happen. Yeah, this 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 seems like like she would not believe the truth, but she will believe this uh, this story that uh, Hermione cooks up, which. <sighs> OK, so so Umbridge explains all uh, the things she did. She sent the Dementors, you know, which, by the way, very funny image. Umbridge, like commanding Dementors to like go to a specific cul-de-sac or whatever and like sit there and wait for harry potter um but so she she she's about to use the um the torture spell on him she's gonna use the the unforgivable curse Mm. and then hermione's like no and and everyone is curious what the fuck it is she's she's gonna do and she starts pretending to tell the truth and instead she is concocting uh, what I would have to say a j- a Joker style trick <laughs> to get Umbridge in Umbridge and only Umbridge into the woods so a giant can kill her. The the trap is laid. I think Umbridge so, uh, is about to get what's coming to her. So so the thing this is where this chapter just like the bottom just completely fell out for me here was Umbridge buying this hilarious lie. Because not only is Hermione, so Hermione says like, oh, Harry was trying to reach Dumbledore so we can tell him that the weapon is ready. And like, this is so funny to me because the whole thing with the weapon, Mm. as far as I've understood it up to this point, is it's like a naive misunderstanding on the part of these children, right? Yeah. Like, when, when Harry went to Grimmauld Place and they were like, arguing about whether or not they should tell harry anything uh they sort of talk around what it is voldemort is looking for they just say he's like looking for something important and powerful and harry's like 
like a weapon and <laughs> lupin is just kind of like yeah sure <laughs> right like like, yeah. like like he's very non-committal like like he's just like well i can't get into what it actually is which is an orb that tells you that uh that, that a a you know a prophecy that will be important to voldemort i suppose right like like there's that's Lupin kind of a weapon yeah weapon like, Lupin, of Lupin. knowledge <laughs> Lupin doesn't want to explain orbs to Harry, Mm-mm. so so he's like, "Yeah, sure, kid. It's a weapon. Like, you got to go to bed now." Um, and like that has been really funny up until this point because it's like, okay, the 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 DA is like working themselves up over this thing that we don't have any sort of like confirmation on, really. So this though really throws that into disarray for me because this this story that hermione concocts of like oh we've been building a weapon for voldemort in the woods we're going to use it on the ministry that sounds like the most obviously fake plan in the world and i really want like what weapon what what weapon could conceivably exist in the wizarding world where everyone carries a smartphone that can kill someone in yeah, their pocket? Yeah, this is the world where like when you turn eleven, you get you get a gun, right? Like, yeah, that that's the lore here. <laughs> so so like what it, what what could possibly in Umbridge's imagination be out there in the woods to make her go oh she might this this little girl might be telling the truth i better go along with this uh she just told told umbridge that uh dumbledore has wmds in the woods <laughs> right yeah like i and i get that that's probably the like this feels like the metaphor came first before the story right like <laughs> i need i need oh i need to bring in this current event into my story ripped from the headlines uh, right exactly it, it, it has that feel to it where it's like this feels like the metaphor is so much more important than like the story in this situation right because like like what, what could conceivably be like oh the da dumbledore has ordered us to make a trebuchet that fires <laughs> balls of wands that are all firing avada kedavra at once and the ball is going to roll we're going to shoot shoot it out of the forest and the ball is going to land in the ministry and roll around and kill everyone like what are they building that sounds fucked up (laughs) that sounds that does sound fucked up but yeah i'm just like imagining what the fuck kind of weapon could possibly like haunt an an adult woman's imagination in Harry Potter. Like, what are they? What what is the like cultural fear that that Hermione is playing on here that is being activated at Umbridge? We're like, oh, I better take this this threat seriously. I am feeling like the the pretense of the Ministry being worried about Dumbledore having a child army is are like I already am not on board with that so that <laughs> the addition to that being a child army that is building a weapon for him is it, it's it really like is acting like i'm just on board with that and i'm just not they're building they're in the woods building dumbledore a killdozer how many students He's- are there <laughs> there's like 20 <laughs> 
like, can't Dumbledore, like, wave his wand and, like, repair an entire house? Right, like, Surely he, he can, I thought it, he is kind of the weapon. Like, it, if the Ministry is worried about that, and this is, right. a, like, a world where it's, like, someone like Dumbledore, it's like, oh, sometimes a wizard is born and they just have, like, godlike powers and are super powerful. Like, that seems like more of a concern. Yeah. <sighs> I don't know. They're building a trebuchet to launch Dumbledore into the Ministry without tripping their, like, anti-apparitional arms. Now that... Now that's a weapon. <laughs> oh, speaking of alarms, I feel like a thing that would have been good to plant anywhere in this book previously is the concept of alarm spells. Ah, uh, you foolish children. You thought I wouldn't set an alarm spell in my in my office? <laughs> yeah, that thing that we didn't know existed until right now. Moody, the paranoid character, didn't have those in his office. Uh, what did she call them, too? It was like an anti- deception spell or something stealth censoring spells ah that those will get you every time those will those will fucking get you that thing that we know what if that had been on harry's like test or something like name a spell like oh name a spell that you can set in a room to yell at you if someone walks into it he's like i'm too dumb for this i'm gonna take a nap do you think that it it is like actually an alarm or do you think that it was set off because he was wearing an invisibility cloak like is it literal stealth like oh he's got his stealth cloak on yeah well because this is stealth sense censoring so maybe it is just like oh it, it can tell if someone's using a it's a spell that will will alert you if someone uses a pocket knife that can break through spells and is also wearing a, a cloak wow really good stuff anyway the the important thing here is that uh, uh this is much like snape has given an ironic bow uh and is never to return quite the same ever again hermione is the joker now and and her plan is insane and i would just like to uh, uh give a list of crimes that hermione has committed in this book so far oh great she is she has blackmailed a reporter who she kidnapped for an entire summer and kept inside a jar and fed Lee. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She has permanently scarred a, a, a fellow student uh, for signing a piece of paper and saying something that she didn't like. Sure. And now she is using her feminine wiles. Mm. Uh, she's crying. She's crying. She's, she's set. She's laying a trap to lure someone into the woods so she can get beaten to death by a, a 16 foot tall baby man. Do you think that when someone puts a character in a book to be kind of like, oh, this is kind of like a self insert character a little bit, right? Like this character kind of reflects me that they might uh hypothetically fall into a trap of the things that the character ends up doing as the character develops end up to be more like wish fulfillment style actions that's a really good point i don't know how to account for hermione's character otherwise i think it is hard to take a step back from a character that you kind of modeled after yourself and give them character development that feels like uh, real in a in a novel Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that doesn't end up feeling like like oh i would i would like to do that in this situation yeah i think you're right i mean hermione just feels like she's operating on a completely different set of rules right Uh uh-huh like like hermione does not face 
consequences. Yeah. Uh, Hermione gets to do stuff that we would like think would be really cool for like, like a, I mean, I mean like, like Hermione, Hermione gets to do everything. She gets to be, uh, uh, she gets to be the smart one. She gets to be the, um, the like puppet master behind the DA. Right. Uh, she gets to like, <laughs> like it's a like kidnap torture and like potentially kill people but they're all bad people so like you know it's it's like you say like it, it does come off like wish fulfillment but it's weird because she you know she's not a comic book character if she was like a uh, you know if she was like a a funny cool femme fatale in a in a spy movie or something and like this was her big plan was to like pretend to be pretend to to like break under pressure and then and then send the bad guy into the woods to die or whatever that would fit right because like that's a different set of you're operating on like a different set of like character morals and that kind of thing right Mm -hmm. but she's a 15 year old schoolgirl who has like never gotten in trouble for anything right like it's in, in a book where characters are like getting in trouble for like not turning in their homework uh yeah i I, I think the way you said about her operating like under a different set of rules is very apt because it just feels like her escalations are way higher than anyone else's like the the fact that we've gone from like her kind of her big character moments being like okay i'll sneak out of my room after curfew to (laughs) to this sort of thing and i don't think any other character has escalated in that same way but but escalated without the story really acknowledging it is the thing that makes it like there's a version of this this like Hermione arc that I actually think is fucking awesome right like if if the book if the books like acknowledge that like she started as this like very ardent rule follower who just like spun out of control into like this like chaotic good like like I, I I don't know. Like, there's a version of that where that works. If like other characters, if 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 the other characters are going like, "Hey, Hermione, you are like going way too far with some of this stuff," and she's just like, "I don't care. This is like what I believe in." Right? Like, like the the spew stuff even would have. There's as as bad as spew is. There's a version of this where like, it makes sense to like like watch Hermione like come from the Muggle world like have all these like aspirations and hopes and dreams of this magical world realizing it's just as full of like injustices as the muggle world and like just becoming radicalized by that right Mm -hmm. like there's a really cool character there uh and 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 this but but like no one no one points it out no other characters even seem to notice like like no one seems to remember that she like and like even she doesn't remember, which I think is the part that really makes this 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 confusing to me. Is that like this in this chapter, we have Hermione telling Harry to calm down, telling him to be reasonable, telling him to think about what happened last time he did this, and then five pages later, she is concocting a scheme to get a teacher murdered. Right? Yeah. It. It. I. I guess like she is the only one who really acts in this way except for like joke characters off screen where it's mentioned 
constantly, right? Like mm-hmm. I, I think about other characters that take like these kind of extreme actions that are played off kind of as a joke or like the mm-hmm. the, the story itself doesn't understand the stakes of what is happening. And I mm-hmm. and I think of Fred and George, right? Like that totally. that's the kind of the kind of but it's like all kind of played off as a joke that doesn't happen near us. But Hermione, like the the actions that she's taking are plot actions, right? <laughs> right. And and like I almost it's it's funny that this is the book that introduces Bellatrix because if like like we we've said multiple th- I mean like we, we were talking about the one who the character who was cut from Goblet, right? The like uh Mafalda who was supposed to be like the the like Slytherin foil to Hermione. Or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that we have Bellatrix here who is not really much of a character I mean, like she's going to show up in the next couple of chapters, I think, finally. But like she's not here that much. But it is funny to think about like how there's a version of this story where like Bellatrix is like the evil foil to like what Hermione's becoming. Right. Which is just like the the completely unhinged will do will do anything to achieve her goals like like uh, uh, fixer for Voldemort. Right. Like Herm- mm-hmm. Hermione is like on the path of becoming like the order fixer. Right. Yeah. Um, and- and that's sort of cool. I, I like. I want. I want to see her wrestle with that and like, like interact with Bellatrix, who is like, you know, on the opposite side of the conflict, but using similarly like, like you know, outrageous methods or whatever. I'm like, yeah, there's a story. There's a character there. There's a story. But we're not going to get that. No, uh, absolutely not. Um, we Hermione is never going to face any sort of consequences or like internal reflection on her actions. You know, uh she's not gonna like change personality it's just every now and then hermione will do something crazy and everyone will act like it's normal it it, you're right it feels surreal when that stuff happens too because it's it is it's bizarre to to see those stakes go higher in that way and then have no one really react to it especially in the story where harry is kind of doing something similar right he's he's doing something crazy here mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. but the it all hinges on that right like it is every character reacting and and reacting to him him escalating stuff in this way and so to have hermione like kind of doing like equal if not like more outrageous things mm-hmm. to no reaction from anyone is bizarre yeah yeah like like i i I think i think you you got it right on the money with the um you know hermione being a self-insert who just just it it is harder to zoom out and consider like what 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 trials a character should face if they are mostly there to represent to like be your avatar right Mm -hmm. because that that constitutes some like or that like requires maybe some like self-reflection stuff that is probably difficult to do in tandem with like writing a book where you're juggling a million characters and especially when like she's not the main character so it's not like we have room for tons of Hermione JK Rowling like like struggle session stuff right yeah um, it, so I, it, I think I think I think you're I think you're onto something with that and the reason I thought about it is is mostly because of what J.K. Rowling said specifically about 
Hermione and and Ron getting together being wish fulfillment. Yes. Um, uh-huh. and, and that's where those words came from. But at, at the same time, I, I really do think that there is something there. And I, I'm trying to like tread pretty carefully because I think that there is something to be said about writing writing a, a character that kind of represents you and then having them go outside of like your your normal like the normal things that you do in your life. Like I think that there's oh, like, yeah. a place for that. Um and, and I don't think that that's just bad, right? I don't want to sound like no, I'm no, like, no, no. oh, Hermione's a Mary Sue or, or whatever. No, um, totally. But but I think that that you are right is that there is that component where it's like Hermione's not really the main character. So you don't get to spend a lot of time with her going outside of her like normal mode of operation. Mm-hmm. So when you, when you are writing a, a character that is kind of your avatar and you want them to do things that you wouldn't do because it's wish fulfillment. It does end up just kind of feeling out of character unless you spend that time with with the character, finding exactly. out why they might want to do that or why yes. they can take that action. Whereas you might not in your real life. Um, but that's not what this story is about. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. This isn't a this isn't a like ooh, she's a Mary Sue like like criticism. It's more of just a like like Hermione feels like she is just operating under uh like just a different like a different set of storytelling rules right mm-hmm. like, like she's she is not having to go through like the rigorous uh, uh introspection and character arcs that harry is doing honestly less crazy stuff right and so it's just weird like looking over at like another character who is just like wait a minute you're doing like way more wild stuff than harry at the moment and like you don't seem to care so it's almost like it's almost like a like looking over the 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 hedge and seeing like but there's a way more interesting story happening over there that i want to see right like like this this character is doing way crazier stuff yeah uh, and, and we don't get to to do anything with that i mean like if you if you look at what harry is doing here which is what we're kind of putting a magnifying glass on right like we are really yeah. looking at harry and saying like he is he's being he's 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 out of control like he's trying to do something just just completely wrong and and crazy and all of this but if again you zoom out it's like what is harry trying to do he is trying to get out of school and go to the government office <laughs> in the grand scheme of things like <laughs> yeah uh, like all right like yeah you're trying to play hooky and and go go to some some office buildings like I, yeah you shouldn't do that that's against the rules um her, but you're right like Hermione has has kidnapped someone and blackmailed someone and permanently scarred someone at this point in the book so it's kind of <laughs> it's it's a weird thing to to set that that magnifying glass on um I I would also say that like the disintegration of Hermione as a character really uh, kind of changes. I'm I'm taking inventory of the kind of female characters there are in Harry Potter. <laughs> and at this point, it's like you can be um Luna Love Good, you can be you can be a, a robot from Invader Zim. Uh you can be cool girl, a cool mm-hmm. sports girl who's just mm-hmm. one of the boys, or you can be the Joker. And those are the <laughs> those are the three kinds of, of women you can be in Harry Potter. Oh, do you think do you think JK Rowling likes new Harley Quinn? You think you think J.K. Rowling saw Suicide Squad and was like, "Oh my god, that's Hermione up there. She's got the baseball bat." Ah, uh, her, yeah, Hermione, Hermione's off the rails. Um, I don't, I don't know because she also wrote in that Hermione becomes Minister of Magic. 
That's true. Um, so we, we have no fucking know. idea. I don't know whether she went and saw Suicide Squad. I don't know if I've known anyone that saw Suicide Squad. <laughs> Did you see it? I've not seen Suicide Squad. No. No. So uh, so I guess that's that's a great mystery for our times. I think we need to probably take a break uh, and then we can come back and talk a little bit more about uh, J.K. Rowling. Sounds good. Hello, everyone. It's me, Jordan. I was fired from my position as the Hurtwood House ghost. But I hacked into this podcast to say, Joker's trick. Hello and welcome back. Um, We, I think, here... You know, I, I love our show. I, I, I'm it's it's the highlight of my week. But you know, I think we probably could not disagree if someone said, Hey, you guys are haters. Mm. We're a little mean to old JK Rowling sometimes. Um, yeah, we're we're haters. We are haters. Uh I mean, to be fair, not unfounded. Uh she is she is a turf. Um, she is uh, incredibly annoying on Twitter, which is maybe the worst thing someone can be. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we're, we're we're haters, and I think we're a little bit proud of it, maybe. Sure. Um, so I think you know, in the interest of of debate, you know, the, the most important thing anyone can do. Oh yeah, uh, that's true. Is is debate right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we need to see both sides um, yep. because the truth, as we know, is always somewhere in the middle exactly um which is why i think this week we are going to read this hot new article from what culture 10 reasons to stop hating on jk rowling <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna maybe reform a little bit we're yeah we might need to reform It's time to shape up uh i am excited to read this because this is one of those old style articles where each entry is its own page and you have to click next to see oh the next so it one. could break at any moment one so yeah one it could break at any moment and two i have only seen the first one but it was it was seeing the first one that really convinced me that oh this is something we probably need to cover sure so this is 10 reasons to stop hating on jk rowling jk rowling has received plenty of criticism lately for her bizarre additions to the magical world she created not only did Rowling feel the need to offer unnecessary details on Dumbledore and Grindelwald's relationship, she's also informed her fans about how witches and wizards at Hogwarts used to operate without plumbing. Mm-hmm. These two examples are probably the worst of the lot, but there have been plenty of others as well. Now, I would really like to understand what angle they are coming at the criticism of the Dumbledore and Grindelwald thing. Because I yeah. don't... I, I do think that's bad, but in what... In what way do they mean? To, I'm very curious. Uh, as a result, people have every right to complain about her actions, particularly when she appears to be actively trying to alter as well as add to her own work. Nevertheless, Rowling's achievements hugely outweigh her antics online, <laughs> and far too many people are rushing to criticize the famous author without considering the wider context. Are you ready for number 10? I'm ready for some context. Art should be seen as separate from the artist. Finally, finally, someone has has solved that age old question. It is about time. You know, I've read a lot of, you know, should, should you, shouldn't you? And I'm really glad that I can finally, we finally know. We finally have it here. Thank you, Watt Culture, for finally saying what needs to be said here. 
As well as some of the unpopular additions Rowling has made to her world, she has also received a heavy amount of criticism for her vocal political views. Rowling certainly does not hold back when it comes to criticizing Brexit and Scottish independence. While there are many people who agree with her positions, the main issue isn't actually her views, but the fact that she feels the need to be so vocal about them, which in turn can be very wearisome for those of us that follow her online. Hmm. Hmm. That's my problem. I'm just such a big Brexit fan. I wish she would would just, just keep that to herself. However, when it comes to all creative industries, it is important to view art as separate from the artist. Her aggressive views of Twitter doesn't take anything away from her novels. Indeed, even some of her most ludicrous editions of Harry Potter shouldn't be seen as legitimate. Whatever she says online, Rowling can never change what's already been published. Okay. So coming out of the gate with a real strong opener here. The books aren't that good. (laughs) yeah the books are fine i i think that uh uh you know the the separating art from artist thing is like a very that's a very complex uh uh uh, you know uh theory that, that everyone sort of has to like work through and like you know everyone has like their own levels of tolerance for for artist bullshit and and that's that's a very personal thing and i think it's very funny that that's just their number 10 number one reason to stop hating her Obviously, you have to separate art and artists. Yeah, you, know? you can't do that. <laughs> Number nine, Pottermore. I, I, I feel like this made it on the wrong list. <laughs> Following the release of the final Harry Potter movie, Rowling launched Pottermore, a website dedicated to expanding her magical world. For hardcore Harry Potter fans, it was a treat to find so many extra details. Wait a minute. Hold on a second. The entire we- last... Do we like the details or yeah. do we not like the details? Do we not, do, what do you want? Do you want these extra details or not? It was particularly interesting to many to read about Ilvermorny following the release of Fantastic Beasts. No! As the education... I, I fucking hate that. I hate Ilvermorny. <laughs> Fuck Ilvermorny. As the education system in America had never been discussed in any of the original novels. The best aspects of this website, however, is the more interactive elements. By taking a number of quizzes, Harry Potter fans are able to discover their Hogwarts house, their wand, and their own Patronus. Uh, though plenty of authors continue to add to their world beyond the format of the novel, Pottermore's depth and interactivity make it a unique experience. But you just said that her adding to the novels is bad. I. What, <laughs> what is with all of these. these um like news outlets talking about how like the personality quizzes on Pottermore have like set set the world on fire like yeah like the the big event that everyone was talking about when the Patronus quiz came out their personality quizzes (laughs) their personality quizzes that like tax your graphics card for some reason Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh number eight Fantastic Beasts is far from terrible uh, mm. Mm. fantastic beast the crimes of grindelwald was a disappointment unlike the nine movies that preceded it crimes of grindelwald was the first film in rolling's universe that felt mediocre again mm. uh still it was far from terrible the characters may not be as likable or distinctive as those in the eight harry potter movies but some of them are decent <laughs> enough this is an impassioned defense <laughs> Uh, yeah, some of them a... were decent let's name what are okay let's go over the decent characters in fantastic beasts um what was that lizard's name <laughs> the lizard's pretty good i like the zulu 
I like Zuwu. That was pretty decent. Um, I like Jacob. Yeah, Jacob. I like. He's Jacob. decent. He's decent. He is decent. Uh, in their opinion, so in, in, in Argyle's opinion, Eddie Redmayne's performance as Newt Scamander is certainly charming, and Jacob Kowalski is the funniest character Rowling has ever written. Uh, though the crimes yeah, of Grindelwald, was, yeah, probably. <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> uh, uh, though the crimes of Grindelwald was difficult to follow, its predecessor was perfectly admirable. Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them had a much more accessible plot, and the characters are also more rounded due to the simple fact that there were less of them. <laughs> Excuse me? What? There were, oh, this is so good. Despite the flaws of Crimes of Grindelwald, the three remaining films in the franchise had the potential to be just as exhilarating as the Harry Potter movies. I take issue with the idea that the Fantastic Beasts characters are more rounded than the harry potter characters which is not saying much <laughs> for harry potter characters however that's a what, weird my, one to say my remembering of the fantastic beasts movies is that they aren't characters it's just like events happening well so so the the characters of fantastic beasts are newt scamander who all right yeah he's kind of a character he's 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 more interested in animals than people and he's thrust into okay. a big adventure okay okay character <laughs> uh then there's uh jacob who's the fat guy uh-huh. uh and that's a character um then there's uh tina who is uh me and then there's uh queenie who is uh other girls and then there's a uh that's it there, do you ro- okay i also take issue with the idea that there are fewer characters and that's why they're more rounded do you remember the crimes of grindelwald marketing where they just released the posters and there were like 20 of them and it was like <laughs> here are all the characters well i'm also do you remember do you remember okay this this article it's listing like okay we like we like newt and jacob uh does anyone i think don't think anyone remembers that the first fantastic beasts had like john voight as like a newspaper magnate in it <laughs> And uh, there's yeah, two scenes. There's like forty orphans in the Barebone Orphanage. Like, there's a lot of characters in that movie. I don't know about this one. Yeah, they all get about two minutes. That's that's generous. Twenty seconds. All right, number seven, Lumos. It's no secret that Rowling has an abundance of wealth. No, it is not. That is correct. Uh, what people tend to forget, however, is that back in 2005, she started a charity. Lumos is a charity dedicated to child welfare, with the primary aim of removing children from institutions. The charity also aims to raise awareness of the damage institutions can have on a child's development. Whatever people may think about Rowling's political views or the strange additions to the her magical world, the fact that she dedicates some of her time to actively trying to help children is highly commendable. Wow. You might disagree with uh, the books, but you cannot deny that sometimes she helps children. You Case may disagree court. with wizard shitting on the floor, but <laughs> <sighs> number six, the cursed child is meant to be seen, not read. Ooh, oh, this has been of... a hot button issue on the subreddit lately. This has. I am so sad. If if it had not been removed by the by the author or the moderators uh, who who are cowards on the subreddit, uh, this third segment probably would have been dedicated to a fantastic thread that went up yesterday. Uh, where someone was 
basically threatening to fight anyone who hadn't seen the play <laughs> in a theater because you cannot judge a a, a, a play by its uh, stage play. Right. Uh, and it was a very long post and it was very powerful and they got into a big old fight in the comments. Uh, but on, tragically, it's been removed, so we can't do that anymore. I should have screen capped it. It was very good. Um, but hey, uh, uh, what culture is here to, uh, to sort of fill in the gaps Due to the limited number of tickets, Rowling agreed to release the play script of The Cursed Child. Yet without the visuals of the theater production, the bizarre plot elements stand out in sharp relief, leading to a disappointing read. Consequently, The Cursed Child was subjected to a high level of criticism by fans upon its release. However, the reviews of the play itself were remarkably positive, with almost all major publications across the UK giving it a perfect score. In essence, the explanation for these mixed responses is that The Cursed Child is meant to be seen as a play. The visual tricks and effects utilized during the theatrical performance are second to none. They offer an experience that is uniquely, uh, entirely unique, uh, which more than makes up for the unusual plot. So, I mean, I'm sure that The Cursed Child is a different experience if you see it as a play, but I think that most people who are going to see a, like, a West End play are there to see some shit go down right like the spectacle is why you would see this and by all accounts the spectacle is very impressive and expensive more to the point i i i feel like that is sort of inconsequential to whether or not the plot is good or not right yeah i maybe i will have to eat my words because i guess i i i don't know i haven't i have not seen it um uh, but I have a really hard time imagining that my and I, I really think that I could probably go see it and probably enjoy it. And my takeaway would be I would walk out of the theater and be like, wow, they spent a lot of money on that. Right. It's yeah, like, like it's like the same feeling I would probably have at the Wizarding World. Right. Like I would mm-hmm. probably have a good time and I would look around and be like, yeah, they spent a lot of money <laughs> on this. <laughs> right. Like like I would like I think watching people dance is cool. So I would like on a on in like my lizard brain while we watched Cursed Child, I would probably be thinking like, damn, they dance good. Hey, uh, I've I've listened to This Is War by 30 Seconds to Mars enough times that I know that I get hyped up. Is it a good song? No, <laughs> but I'm, right. I still got that lizard brain, you know, exactly. Yeah. So 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 as we found out, that is that is the sixth reason that you can't hate her because uh, you got to see you got to pay fifteen hundred dollars to see the play right yeah all right number five the harry potter movies opened the door for other film adaptations that was nice the the harry potter movies did not have the depth and wonder of the novels yet they were generally solid adaptations crucially their financial success opened the door for many other franchises granted the twilight movies weren't exactly the apex of filmmaking got them i disagree yeah seriously have you seen that baseball scene that's <laughs> like my one favorite movie. my favorite yeah. scene in all of all of all of cinema <laughs> name one scene better than the twilight baseball scene you can't uh but they did have plenty of fans across the globe there were however some other adaptations that were much more satisfactory the hunger games movies what? especially the especially the first two had very few faults really uh, is I, that is that a common conception I've not seen them. I've I've only seen the first one and I did not like it. Granted, I had not read the book. I've not read the book, so I had like no context for like whether or not it's a good adaptation. I was just sort of like 
I was like watching it going like, I wish I was watching Battle Royale right now was my opinion. Sure. I just have um, never heard that. Yeah. And yet they I've say it like it's consensus. I, the the consensus thing that I have heard is that people think the second movie is very good. Hmm. Uh, I have never heard anyone really go off about the first one, but the second one I think people tend to like. Uh, and we're actually better adaptations than Harry Potter due to the shorter length of their source material. Yes, that is why. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> More recently, Ready Player One also proved to be a hit with audiences with Steven Spielberg's oh, stylish shit. direction, creating an immersive experience for moviegoers. Had Harry Potter not been so popular, such adaptations would not have been the same uh, and therefore may not have been made. So you heard it here first, folks. Ready Player <laughs> One is Harry Potter's fault. Wow, thank you, Harry Potter, and thank you, thanks, Joe, once again. Number four, at least she's still putting out content. Really ran out of stuff to put on this list. A number of authors have been criticized over the past few years for failing to produce content. Given how passionate fans of the fantasy genre are, such a response is understandable. The most obvious example is George R.R. R. Martin. Though he's contributed several scripts to Game of Thrones and has continued to add to his world by publishing several books on the history of Westeros, the last main entry in A Song of Ice and Fire was in 2011. I really, I'm sorry, but I really thought that they were going to call it J.D. Salinger. Like, I was just like, ready? (laughs) Where, where's the fucking content? (laughs) Where's Catcher in the Rye 2? Give it to me right now. The most obvious <sighs> example is your. Or, oh, sorry. Uh, uh, Patrick Ro- Rothfuss has similarly failed to publish the third book in the Kingkiller Chronicles. The what? Uh, as as with a Song of Ice and Fire, the last entry was in 2011, and some fantasy fans believe that he will never finish his trilogy. Rolling, on the other hand, has given fans plenty of content. This is so sad to me to just like judge authors based on volume of content they've produced. Is this is this is. We're in we're in the end of history. This is this is my 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 faith in media and and storytelling is crumbling around me. That say, we what, are... say what you will about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh, but you <laughs> can't true. deny there are a <laughs> lot of movies. A lot of them. <laughs> <sighs> Though some of her newer material has received criticism, at least there's something there to criticize. Damn. Damn, it's mm. true. Give me the fucking content. Uh, okay. Number three, her rags to riches story is hugely inspirational. Now, they have included here. Uh, I'm just, I'm just reporting what they have chosen to put as the picture in this article. Mm-hmm. Uh, is a picture from the Warner Brothers studio tour of a goblin grabbing a pile of gold and making a face. Well, alrighty then. J.K. Rowling was not born in a particular poor family, but after splitting from her husband in 93, she found herself jobless and with a baby to look after, and it was at this time that she suffered from depression, which in turn became the inspiration for Dementors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> During the writing of The Philosopher's Stone, Rowling was continuously on state benefits with no other source of income. Once she finished the novel, it was several more years before she found a publisher who accepted the manuscript. When the first book was published in 97, Rowling was advised to keep her job. She was a teacher at the time, a student 
as children's books rarely made much money. To everyone's surprise, The Philosopher's Stone was a massive hit, with a number of glowing reviews from several major publications helping to promote the book. She was soon able to ditch her job and become a full-time author. Yet her success didn't stop there. The series grew to such phenomenal size that she became a, the first billionaire to make their fortune through writing. Such a transition from rags to riches is a hugely inspirational story for the young writers of today. Um, really? Is it? Is it? Question mark. Also, um, did this writer just watch the Lifetime movie? Absolutely. Is, that, is, 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 is this a review of the Lifetime film? The, the beautiful film? Because uh, that's that's beat for beat. The yeah. version of the story in that one. Yeah, I, mean, I think they watched it and were very inspired. As yeah, were we. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Number two, the Cormoran Strike novels. <sighs> Due to the monumental success of Harry Potter, rolling a series about a private detective called Cormoran Strike and his assistant Robin Ellicott is criminally underrated. Given that the story is mostly set in modern London, the novels don't transport the reader in the way the Harry Potter books did. But within its respective genre, the Cormoran Strike series is certainly one of the best. I... Mm, you know, I'm not even saying this to like, I've not read any of these books. I have no opinion on Cormoran Strike. I would just like to say that if you are saying that a book is the best in the detective genre, <laughs> you've kind of got some stiff competition to face up against. Damn, maybe. we gotta, we should maybe read these, these books. Yeah. Fuck Agatha Christie we should yeah we should take a look to take a look at these it's the best detective stories ever that's really impressive the two main protagonists are some of the best characters rolling has ever written with each of them having a detailed backstory and character arc in contrast to the harry potter <laughs> i love series, a detailed backstory i love mm, nothing better that's what's that's what makes a good character uh in in contrast to the harry potter series the novels are specifically for adults rolling certainly doesn't hold back with her descriptions of mature content i have to be honest that is one of the reasons i do want to read these at some point absolutely uh, the greatest similarity however is the accessible writing style and the gripping plot not once within the four books published so far does the narrative ever start to drag hmm 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 I Put, I really I feel like accessible writing style is is maybe a little bit of shade here. <laughs> that's what, that's what I that's how I would describe Harry Potter. Yeah, accessible, accessible. Put simply, the Corman Strike series is a masterclass in how to write detective stories, and they are sadly not a given master the class. A masterclass. Also, again, I've got to take issue with sadly not given the attention they deserve. They got a TV series like right that's, yeah that's, that is the that is like the most attention a detective story can get probably uh, yeah made I, I would say so all right are you ready for number one do you have any yes. idea what number one could even like possibly be can you guess take a um i feel like it's gonna be some sort of kind of rehash like summary like you like you can't you can't take for granted the 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 mag the magical world that we all know and love. That's gonna be my guess. Holy shit. You are a fucking genius. You know I that? know, I know, I know it. Number one, Harry Potter is still the best young adult fantasy series. Uh-huh. Yep. It would be wrong to claim that Harry Potter is the best fantasy series ever written. Yes. Authors such as Jerry <laughs> You're right, yes, it would be. <laughs> However, Cormoran Strike, best detective novel well, ever. Written. Obviously, hands down. 
uh, authors such as J.R.R. Tolkien, Robert Jordan, George R.R. R. Martin, and Brandon Sanderson have craft, yeah. crafted worlds on a scale that Rowling can only dream of. However, in terms of fantasy novels aimed at young adults and teenagers, Harry Potter is still unmatched. <sighs> Granted, there has been some good competition since the publication of The Deathly Hallows. Catherine Arden's Winter Night trilogy is beautifully written. Uh, oh. And the Night Circus by Aaron uh, Morgenstern is equally charming. Have you ever heard of the Winter Night trilogy? I've no, not... but I did read the first quarter of the Night Circus. How is the Night Circus? I only read the first quarter of it. So <laughs> okay, yeah, fair, fair that's enough. My, that's my review. <laughs> Yet none of these works are on the same level as Harry Potter. Rowling's combination of fantasy and mystery kept readers hooked on every word of her novels, and her detailed magical world, though not as large as those created by the authors mentioned above, was cohesive and enchanting in equal measure. Cohesive is not the word I would choose, even it's, one being positive about Harry Potter. It's, I mean, it's large, but it's our, it's our, it's our, it's our, it's the, it's the world. <laughs> it's J.K. Rowling's world. We just live in it. That's true. Uh, unlike most stories focused on teenagers, Rowling's magical world transcended its demographic and was read by people of all ages. In essence, this is why her books have sold in such colossal volumes and no other recent series has come close to achieving this universal appeal. So that's that. Those are the 10 reasons. Are, are, have you, are you considering uh, uh, your, your words and deeds? And, I think and, I'm just too far gone. I feel like the hate, the hate in my heart has, has hardened, you know? <laughs> I don't know if there's yeah, hope I for think, me. Yeah, I think, I think we might be haters for life. Uh, yeah. For JK Rowling. This website has some powerful links on the side here. I'm not going to lie. Uh, five famous musician ghost hauntings. Oh, uh, 25 video game can, uh, mechanics that simply don't work in real life. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, I clicked this just because I kind of had to, and I would just like you to know that number 25, first on the list, is uh, looting someone else's house is not acceptable. True. That is so but true. The screenshot they chose is uh, Super Mario RPG. So what? there's a... Yeah, that's my favorite video game. It's 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 the screenshot of them going into Toadstool's room and finding her triple X. <laughs> you got great, it. great fellow Super Mario RPG fans over here might might uh, go a little bit of a way, I guess, to, to me um, respecting what, what culture has to say about hating JK Rowling, I suppose. Mm. Anyone who likes Super Mario RPG couldn't can be wrong. You know, that's true. That's true. <laughs> well. I think that's all I have. Shall we take it to the close, do you think? Yeah. Our theme song is Hot McGonagall by Cheshire Moon. Huge thanks, as always, to them for letting us use that as our theme song. Uh, you can check them out on Bandcamp uh, uh, and listen to some of their other music. It's all very, very good. You can check us out on Patreon.com slash Shriekcast. We have so much powerful, powerful content for you. If you enjoyed the Black Milk uh, 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 segment from last week on the main episode we have some more exploration into the black milk extended universe for you on this week's bonus uh, you can check out our merch uh, we have lots of beautiful shirts would you like a shirt that says Dobby's girl on it I would uh, so you can check us out you can find the link on our teespring or in the podcast description and Liz what are we reading next week 
Ah, that is a good question. Um, we've got a short chapter this this next week. Um, mm. Do you want to take a look and tell me if you think we should do two? Let's we're get, see. We're getting we're getting to we're the getting, action. We're getting into it. Let's see. Fight and flight is quite short. There are just maybe two short ones in a row, so we might do a couple. I oh wow, uh, Department of Mysteries is very short. That's like five pages. Yeah, yeah. Let's do it. Let's do two chapters. Yeah. So next week we're gonna do chapter thirty-three, which is called "Fight and Flight," and chapter thirty-four, which is called "The Department of Mysteries." Yeah, actually, I think that'll be perfect because then it uh, looks like Beyond the Veil is very long and the only one he ever feared is Varish. OK, so we might we might have to bounce back and forth. We might we have a couple of big bumper episodes yeah, for the, the yeah. ending of this book. That's exciting. I mean, we're, we're getting we're getting into it. We're getting out, getting close to the end here. Mm hmm. All right. Well, that's that's something to look forward to. But we cannot lose sight of uh, our important ritual killing umbridge yeah this week we have a ooh ooh this is a special one. Oh, not my idea my oh. friends showed me this on fanfiction.net there's a link <gasps> here to fanfiction.net slash 101 ways to kill umbridge what so there's more umbridge murder content out there for us to discover potentially wow uh but um that you know the link is just i i suppose a um a, a, a credit um a credit where credit is due not consulting as guardian's idea but this idea is invent a spell so that looks can really kill and then invite her to a staff meeting Oh, I'm okay. I understand. <laughs> so, so the phrase, what if the phrase, if looks could kill, but like we over explain it a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> that one, that one. I'm, I really am glad that um, the author of the one we've been reading on Wattpad recognized the brilliance of this one. Yeah, so absolutely. As to, as to kind of bring it, bring it over into their, into their story. Absolutely. And they're not the only one. Flute Piano is here and says, ooh, fancy. Flute Piano just um, doubled their their reading material, I feel. (laughs) I wonder if... Oh, God. Does fanfiction have comments? I don't think it does. Not inline comments, at least. It has boards, I'm sure, but... I think you can can leave comments. It's been many years, but I, well, I believe so. Well, I might have to look into this and see if 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 uh, if this other 101 Ways to Kill Umbridge list has some has some uh, flute piano criticism because I I would love to see the the flute piano extended universe. But even though we have two chapters this week, and even though I have a, a hot new uh, fanfiction.net page to scroll through, please read another book. Please read another book. Makes ocean roll seem tame Better know what you're after If you catch a eye Cause this hot mama Is just a cat in disguise